beautiful sun that I've taken for granted I'm searching for you like a foreign planet Been out of my life, I've been trapped in the earth All the feelings I had undervalued your worth Sunlight creeps and anoints my head Reach out to you, my sincerest of friends Always be here right up under your head Please think of me and the words that I've said So what's up everybody, it's your boy Jonathan D'Angelo, a.k.a. Johnny D And mom and offspring And you are tuned into another Blur Review session And tonight we're going to be talking about The Joker Review CW Let's see, we'll do a CW wrap up we're going to talk about blackface and the history of blackface. We're going to talk about the history of uh, black cosplay, costumes, and comic book culture, and some other stuff. So if you're a cosplayer, stay tuned. Um, this is actually an important cosplay historical lesson for you, brought to you by Mi Madre. So we're going to start off with the CW wrap, if you don't mind. Uh, I promise you guys that every week I would wrap up the CW. Um, this week it was the intro to um, everybody's season intros. So just bear with me. We'll get to the good stuff. I just need to get this out of the way because I said I'd do it. So as far as... So the first show we got was Batwoman. That came on at 8 on Sunday. Uh, the pilot was garbage. It was hot trash. It was just as bad as... It was almost as bad as Birds of Prey. Um, it, told of, it told the origin story of Ruby Rose's uh, Batwoman. It was trash. Um, the show has potential if the writers get their shit together. But we'll see. I'm not really enthused. I'm not really... Uh, Hopeful. <laughs> I'm watching Batwoman to get the crisis, so we'll see how that works. Um, but I, I just the Batman costume wasn't good. It was probably just as bad as the Batman costume reveal in Gotham, uh, the TV show Gotham. The villain was kind of subpar. Um, the 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 cinematography was very dark and like visually dark. Like you know how my bedroom is when I do episodes, that kind of dark. Um, it was hard to see. It was hard to really like understand what was going on. The story was all over the place. Um, but we'll see how it goes. Um, it's actually backtracking from the previous crisis. So if you guys remember the crisis that they did with the uh, uh, with the the um, the Nazi uh, uh, Earth X crossover, this was it Earth X? No, 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 no. The pre-crisis crossover they did last season. This predates that for now. So Batwoman is going to catch up to the the pre-crisis crossover from last season and then go forward from there. We'll see how they do. Supergirl followed that at 9, and Supergirl was really good. Um, they're still wrapping up loose ends from Lex Luthor controlling the American government. Uh, he's still alive, but the cast of Supergirl does not know that. Right now, they're focusing on Martian Manhunter, which is good because he's probably the most powerful black lead we've had in a superhero show ever. So for him to be able to be spotlit this season is actually amazing. All the villains that are going to be on Supergirl, minus Lena Luthor and Lex Luthor, are Martian Manhunter's villains. So they're definitely going to buckle down and focus on him. And we love Martian Manhunter. I hope they bring back his girlfriend because, you know, black love matters and we haven't seen her in a season or two. Yeah, we haven't seen her in like two seasons. So, you know, um, definitely hope they bring her back. But Lena Luthor is now the primary villain next to the Monitor and John Jones' evil brother. And that's going to be an interesting arc to see. I'm excited for that. Um, Flash came on. No, Black Lightning came on on. Yeah, no, no, yeah. Flash came on Tuesday. Phenomenal opening. Um, Flash always has the best openings of any season, minus uh, two seasons ago. But Flash had the best opening of every season. Um, they picked up right after the last season left off with Nora dying. And then they ran immediately into him trying to catch Godspeed, who apparently is still at large. Um, which is crisis related. 
Um, they're trying to, uh, they're still trying to deal with the aftermath of Reverse Flash killing Nora on top of dealing with the fact that they have two new supervillains in the show. So it's going to be interesting to see how they handle Flash. Um, they definitely backseated Iris West, thank freaking God, because I really got tired of her character, like being head HNIC for no reason. It didn't make any sense, uh, other than lazy writing. Um, but they backseated Nora, fixed the suit. Um, Cisco doesn't have his powers, but they did give him, you know, back the driver's seat. And I appreciate that. They'll be introducing the next Harrison Wells here in about an episode or two. And, um, they, de they definitely got a visit from the monitor at the end of the episode who told Barry, Hey, you're going to die. There's nothing you can do about it. You're going to have to come with me and stop this crisis. And we're thinking that Arrow's supposed to die, but they're now saying that Barry is also going to die. So we'll see how that works. Um, but yeah, I mean, it may or may not happen. I know Arrow's is going to sacrifice his life for Barry's, allegedly, but Barry might still disappear. We don't know. But in order for Barry to disappear, we'd have to have a Wally West. And surprise, surprise, we don't have a Wally West. Wally West will not be a part of... The actor who's playing Wally West will not be a part of the crisis. So I don't know how they're going to erase Flash and not have a replacement, which means I don't think they're going to. But, you know, we'll see how that goes. The next show that came out this week... <clears throat> was Black Lightning. Black Lightning also had a really good opening. Um, they captured Black Lightning so that he could infiltrate the Markovian um, metahuman ring. If you guys are watching Young Justice on the DC Universe app, you know that they're also covering the Markovius metahumans uh, trafficking uh, arc, and Black Lightning is doing that as well. I also released some photos on the IG story a couple of days ago about Black Lightning doing the Crisis crossover with the rest of the heroes. So you will see Black Lightning on Flash, Arrow, Legends and Batwoman, which hopefully leads to Batwoman and Black Lightning being a part of the Outsiders because that's what they are in DC Comics. Um, but we'll see. Uh, Arrow doesn't come on until next week, and Legends doesn't come on for a couple of for a month or so. So we won't see Arrow or we won't see Arrow until next week. We won't see Legends until I think uh, November. So, but Jonah Hex and Constantine will be on Legends for the crossover, and it's gonna be dope. It's going to be dope, but I have nothing really to share uh, Easter egg-wise or anything like that. Um, nothing important yet, but as the shows unravel, we'll get into it. So, the next thing we're going to talk about is the Joker. I know everybody's like, oh, the Joker, we've seen and heard so much about the Joker. It's been a week. But I took my mom to see the Joker today, um, and she had a lot of insight for the movie. Um, because the movie's supposed to take place between the 70s and the 80s. And there was a lot of stuff going on that helped facilitate that movie. Like, a lot of stuff going on in the background, in the real world, that could have helped motivate and facilitate that movie. And so, um, I gave you my perspective on the movie, but I wanted to give you my mom's perspective, because my mom grew up in the 80s, and she understands, you know, some of the background noise that was happening that led to Arthur Fleck's character being who he is, and Gotham City turning out the way it was. So, mom, if you want to take that. Okay. Hello, everybody. Um, I'm a tough movie critic, but I got to tell you that I definitely give The Joker an eight. For those of you who don't know, um, once upon a time back in the 70s to balance the budget, the government decided to release everyone who was mentally ill onto the streets. And this is a valuable part of the story of Joker. I think it kind of had to be there because what happened was once upon a time when you were mentally ill, what they did was they put you into a mental institution and 
that's where you actually stayed for life. So keep in mind, at the time that the Joker actually takes place, this is the first time that people are actually getting a chance to interact with mentally ill people. So you got to understand that part. People didn't know how to treat mentally ill people. And even though he had never been incarcerated himself, well, I shouldn't say incarcerated, institutionalized. He was at the beginning. He said he was in the facility. Oh, yeah, he was. And um, they let him go. Yeah, that's right. He was. You have to understand that for a lot of people, they didn't know how to treat each other. We're also at a time in the 70s and 80s where nowadays you bully people, you pick on people, and it's a bad thing. Back then, it was a part of growing up. If you got beat up on the playground, the teachers watched. And they were like, and they teased you about it if you lost. You know what I mean? We're in a different time and age. And so for the Joker, it wasn't an immediate moment where he sat there and said, I'm fed up. I'm tired. This is someone who went through a lifetime of teasing and abuse. And then we hear in the story that um, his mother boyfriend was the cause of him as a very young child so young he doesn't even remember his head injury so here he you know he went from childhood to adult being picked on and being beat up on in a time where people weren't addressing issues and then you also have to remember i was telling jonathan earlier um the um shoot now what are they called the, the angels the um, guardian angels guardian angels you know, they came about not just to help with crime and to help with drugs, but there was a, a feeling in society at that time when the guardian angels came into effect that no one was safe. People picked on you based on your age, your race, your vulnerability, female. I mean, if you were female, it wasn't safe to take the bus. It wasn't safe to take the train. None of these things were safe, you know? So it was, it was a whole other vibe of, I need to protect myself. And I think for a lot of people, even black people, it's kind of funny because Queen Latifah kind of, you know, she made that, um, um, that song, you know, and on her video, I can't remember the name of the song, Unity, yeah, U-N-I-T-Y, Unity. you know, um, it was actually on her video, she had one of the guys from Naughty by Nature grab her butt. Yeah. And the thing about that was, you know, I was explaining that to somebody at work. You're a female all your life. You're walking through elementary, junior high, high school. Any stranger can come up to you and touch your butt. And it's not an offense. Mm. It's just life. And if you told on someone who touched your butt and you're an elementary high, junior, you know, junior high, elementary, junior high, high school, and you told on someone who did these things, a teacher might say stop. Right. You know, so it's a whole other vibe and environment that, you know, people who are in this generation today wouldn't understand, you know, prejudice, you know, plays an issue and, and different things like that. But there was a lot going on. And as I was telling him today, you know, we always say black lives matter. And we say that because we don't want black people getting killed by cops. You know, we all get that part. But when white people say, White lives matter. You have to understand that back in the time that the Joker was taking place, it wasn't so much about race as it was about, for them, about where you stood financially. Classism. Your classism. You got picked on. You got talked about. Um, <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> um, you, uh, you get picked on. You got talked about. And all these things happen to you, you know? And white people felt like they were underprivileged. You know, they, when, when, when 
I know I'm going off topic. No, you don't. When slavery ended, remember, people had invested in black people. They had educated them and gave them skills so that they could go out and do these jobs. So when slavery ended and all these um, white people died as soldiers, black people came in and they were the ones who were skilled and they were the ones who were making money. And because not everyone was rich enough to afford slaves or afford land, you know, people keep saying, oh, you know, power to the Confederacy. People keep forgetting that in the Confederacy, most, most people who weren't black were poor. And they were poor, poor, like they were worse off financially than the slaves, you know? So when you think about it, white people have all these years of oppression because they're not the elite. And when you see the Joker, that's, you know, touched on too. You know, she was saying, cause I really don't believe that she didn't have that baby. That the Joker really wasn't a product of Her Wayne. and Thomas. Right, yeah. the mother and yeah, Thomas Wayne. That what I really believe that that was the baby back then. We're touching on classism again. He had the money, he had the power to just go ahead and have her committed and control things. Right. So I mean, there's a lot going on to that story that was based on fact and not fiction. Right. You know, it was a powerful story, and I think it needed to be said. I think it needed to be heard, and I think people really didn't understand that. You know, depression is is something that's, and mental illness is something that's very real. And people don't know how to interact with it. They didn't know how to control it. People didn't know what to say to him because of his mental illness. People were afraid of the mentally ill because here these people are on the street. Like, where did these people come from? Matter of fact, tell them about what you said, what you told me about Vietnam. Right after we out of the movie, you told me about Vietnam. To, to fund Vietnam, what they did. Yeah. So, t- yeah, so. yeah they, they had to cut the budget. I mean, Vietnam um, blew the budget. It went on much longer than it should have, you know, and we needed the money. So we took people that we normally had institutionalized and put them there and locked them there for life, and we let them out on the street. They let them out on the street in black neighborhoods, okay? So imagine you go outside your house in the morning, and there's a tent with a homeless person on your front lawn. You call the police. The police don't care. They don't care. Because it's in a black neighborhood. These people have to go somewhere. All you know is that this person is probably dangerous. They're in your front yard. You have children. You don't want to go to your car. People are getting stabbed. They're getting robbed. They're coming home. And the homeless people have taken over their house. Imagine that. Now... This was actually short-lived. I'm talking about in California because I'm from California. You know, this was actually short-lived because these homeless people decided, okay, we're over here. We're in Gardena. We're in Compton. You know, we're, you know, we're in these little areas in, in, in California. Let's walk to Beverly Hills. <laughs> and, yeah, oh. that, that, it, it was a problem. Oh. It's a problem because no one wants to, if you've ever been to California, Hollywood is right there next to Beverly Hills. It's like, you mm. just walk, you know, and then you cross the street and, oh, oh, there's Sylvester Stallone's house on the corner. Nobody actually wants to have a homeless person in front of their house. So California came up with a brilliant idea of rounding up all these people and putting them on a street called Skid Row, mm. which was an abandoned area for buildings. And they put police um, kind of like as guards to keep them in. So when homeless people got out of those areas, they picked them up and took them back to Skid Row. You know, so I think it really 
touched on homelessness. And I think it really gave people an idea, somewhat of an idea. I think the story was way overdue. I think there's so much more to tell, you know. Um, but I thought it was great. And that's the thing, too, is like, I, you know, I, I, I said it in my live last time when I when I did my own Joker review. Like, I've worked with, you know, and my mom has worked with mentally ill, mentally disabled people, you know. And so, you know, even though the Joker movie takes place within a, what, two, three-week span, you know, somebody goes their whole life, right? He was abused to the point where he forced it out of his memory, right? He may or may not be Thomas Wayne's son. to the And Thomas Wayne is the same guy who's saying, well, you guys were all clowns because you didn't make it. So imagine... This guy's supposed to be my dad, but he's bashing me for leaving me in this situation. And then on top of that, he loses his job. He's tired of being bullied. He finally finds a way to defend himself. And in defending himself, he liberates himself in a way because now, oh, I don't have to be oppressed. I don't have to be bottom of the barrel. I don't have to be, you know, left out by society. And this is after he goes to the psychiatrist and a psychiatrist who never paid attention to him in the first place is like, hey, I can't see you anymore. They cut funding. So you can't get your meds. You can't get um you can't get social services like you're supposed to. That's basically like them cutting Medicaid right now. That's like them cutting Medicaid in a, in your state and saying, oh well, you can't get your medication. You can't get Medicaid. We don't know how we're gonna treat you. Good luck. And then sending sending the mentally ill, the mentally disabled, the disabled, the physically disabled out into the streets of your neighborhoods. Like, well, y'all, they'll figure it out. They'll either look survival of the fittest. They'll either live or they'll, if they die, they die basically. And that was Arthur's scenario, you know, and I, I've worked with people who their whole life have struggled in one way or they've been in a lockdown facility and then they get out and then they don't know how to handle themselves. What'd you tell me? You know, the homeless were scared to get treated after, after they dropped them off in the streets because they didn't want to get locked up again. Cause they spent their whole life locked up. Definitely. Um, because people were scrambling and organizations were scrambling to try and create homeless shelters. You know, there was no more poor house that was done with before, you know, um, I was even born, but they were scrambling to get together homeless shelters because imagine you've been committed since you were 12, 16, uh, 22, 23, thinking you're never going to get out. Then they put you out on the street. Well, you may be fending for yourself. You may be eating out of the trash can, but guess what you're not? You're not in an institution where your rights are taken away from you, your freedom is taken away from you. So when they were trying to round people up and put them into homeless shelters and get them to apply for social services, people were going, oh no, you're not locking me back up there. And imagine, imagine how the Joker felt knowing he was losing it knowing that in his generation, at his age, he knew what happened to people who were um, mentally ill and in mental institutions. He knew what his faith was going to look like, mm-hmm. you know? And for a lot of people, that's that's scary. You know, I think for some people, because, you know, um, my dad is, is schizoassociate disorder with multiple personalities, which means he's, uh, uh, what's, the, what's the old school term for it? He is schizophrenic with multiple personalities, you know? And so when you have to try and rationalize with someone who is mentally ill, who isn't taking their medication, because what happens, people get off their medication because they think they don't need it. They start to feel a, a level of comfort. They start to feel like I feel good enough to not take this and, and, and not have this happen to me. And so um, they get off their medication. And then once they get off their medication, 
there's nothing that you can do to get them to get back on it. You know what I mean? Mm. That has to be their own personal decision. So what it, what actually ended up happening, and right now it's mass incarceration because it's it's easier to make someone a convict than it is to get them the education and the, the mental help that they need. But when you talk about the rise in crime that occurred, the rise in crime occurred because these people didn't want to go and get social service help, but they needed money. So people started robbing, they started stealing, they started stabbing, they started doing all these things. Then the drug situation went up because you don't have money to get your medication, but you can get some crack, you can get some heroin, it's cheap. So people started self-medicating, which caused a whole lot of other problems, which in turn caused um, birth rates to go up because people were raping Homeless women in mass. I mean, it, it, it was a whole domino effect. And it's kind of like a catch-22 because it's like, okay, you had to balance the budget, but what did you do with these people? You left them to fend for themselves, and that's where we still are right now. That's where we still are. And, you know, it's it's sad how many people are out there, you know, dealing with it. Um, yeah, uh, dementia and Alzheimer patients, they get treated very badly. Uh, and, and and it's 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 hard sometimes to deal with them too because they're not people you can actually rationalize with unfortunately because they're they they're not themselves anymore you know we actually need to have a whole other conversation about how we help and cure people and i personally believe nobody nobody that should you know whoever served in a war should ever be homeless should ever be without medication should ever, you know, need food. I mean, as a society, we just have to do better. When we look at stuff, we have to look at and acknowledge the big picture. It's, it's not an option, you know. And I'm looking forward to part two of the Joker because we see people who spiral, you know. And sometimes we have our own issues of depression and, and issues that need to be addressed. But normally... We can, you know, we might do some self-destruct habits or self-destruct, you know, things, but we generally pick ourselves back up and go forward. But everyone can't do that. Everyone doesn't have the knowledge, the power, you know, th there are just things in life that we just can't do, you know? Oh, no, but I'm... And, and, you know, like, that's what I like about the Joker. That's what I liked about the Joker. You know, it was a different take on... It was a humanistic take on the character. You know, Christopher Nolan did it with uh, the Dark Knight trilogy. Um, he humanized Batman and all his villains. Um, but the Joker definitely brought... And, you know, I feel like me and my mom were talking about it. And I, I've talked to... You know, I know Frankie, uh, she, did a, she did a great episode on it. And in circles, you know, Land Party. And, you know, in circles, we're, we're talking like, could this movie have stood alone without the, jo without the Joker? And my mom said, absolutely. And I agree. But I also think that it was because you put the Joker on it. It was because you took a well-known villain from fictional literature and you slapped DC Comics on it. It, I feel like if they hadn't done that, it wouldn't have garnered the same attention. You know, it's because they took a supervillain and brought him all the way down to that level and made society the true evil that created an alternate evil is why the movie was so good. I feel like if it didn't have the Joker, it would have been a phenomenal movie, absolutely. But it wouldn't have gone, like, we wouldn't have saw that. We wouldn't have saw it. Maybe, maybe not. We're catching on Hulu, Netflix when we're bored, but we would have missed out. It was because they made it a comic book movie, I feel like is why 
mm-hmm. you know, it got the attention. And um it and and why the issue hit home so hard for a lot of people, you know. Um people wouldn't have seen it if it wasn't the Joker, if it wasn't DC Comics. They wouldn't have seen it. They wouldn't have cared. Um, it would have just been another movie that was Oscar worthy that got an Oscar nod that nobody would have paid attention to. Um, so even its even its origins, the movie that they pulled, the two movies they pulled from to make the inspiration from to make this one, Taxi Driver, Robert De Niro, and Kings Kings of Comedy with Robert De Niro also in that one. I never saw or heard of those movies until the, this movie came out. You know, and some of the actors in both those movies are actually in this movie, and so like now I have to go see those movies, but the, they're similar movies with similar topics, but I don't know anything about that, but you slap the Joker on it in DC and I'm all over it. Why? Cause well, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, I feel like Warner brothers did justice by bringing forth a age old issue using a age old villain. Um, I think they did a phenomenal job with that. And I, I mean, I don't want a part two, but if they drop one and it's the same, you know, director, same actor, same direction. Yeah. I'm down for that. So much realism in this film and made me forget of Absolutely. it. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. There's so much realism in it. Yeah, you forget it's a comic book movie. Absolutely, I agree. Yeah, and I, I thought it was a great history lesson if you were paying attention to the history of it. You know what it was saying, and you know how many people it was actually you know affecting. Right down to the social worker who said, you know, we're canceling this program. They don't care about you, and they don't care about me. You know, so it, it was it was a lot going on in that movie. And I think it, it just kind of took back, took everything back to a period, you know, of time. And um, riots were real back then. We haven't had riots in a while, but riots were very real back then. You know, it, it was a lot. And also, too, a lot of people were didn't. A lot of people I've heard around circles in the, on the Internet, they were like, oh, I don't like the fact that they threw Bruce Wayne's Batman origin story in it. But check this out. I thought about this, right? So Bruce Wayne becomes Batman in the comic because Joe Chill guns down his parents in Crime Alley after they just happen to be taking a midnight stroll through Crime Alley uh, after after the Zorro film, right? Little bit underwhelming for a superhero origin story. But what what the Joker movie did was they said, that's not good enough. Let's make it so that the Joker indirectly causes this uprising due to classism. And because of classism... Thomas Wayne and Martha Wayne are murdered, which then uh, creates Bruce Wayne as Batman. Because Bruce Wayne, at that age, doesn't understand that it's because of classism is why they killed his parents. He just knows that it was because of crime. So now you have a world where Batman, actually as justified as he might think he is, is misguided in his beliefs because it's not crime that took his parents out it's the it, it's his parents social status and their lack of of wanting to take care of those underneath them is why he became batman so we have a world now where we have a misguided batman however self-righteous created through a uh what do you say uh, uh, a mistreated joker mm-hmm. and so joker created his greatest enemy because Thomas Wayne created his greatest enemy and it's all full circle. And you have Bruce in the middle, like, well, I need to make sure that nobody else's parents get killed again and that crime doesn't rise to this level ever again. Not realizing that the only reason why crime rose to that level is because people like him chose to do nothing, you know? So he's stopping crime and not realizing that he's actually a part of the problem. And that's actually a brilliant Batman origin story. Why isn't society used to interacting with people with disabilities? Because they're different. 
Well, because it's an option too. You know, in life, you as a person get to choose your friends and who you associate with, you know. And I know for me, um, I grew up with a, a little boy named Popcorn. And that's what his, I don't know what his real name is. Popcorn, you know, you know how we do. Mm. We always get <laughs> And, you know, I didn't realize that he was challenged. I just thought he was my friend, you know. And so for me, growing up now, people with disabilities, people who, you know, look different, talk different, you know, because of, you know, birth issues or accidents in life, I'll talk to anybody. You mm. know what I mean? Because... People are still people, and we have to remember that. We have to remember to, you know, talk to people with respect. You know, being in customer service for years, I can actually tell you that people call customer service, and some of y'all probably done it too, and take out your whole day, your whole life on a customer service rep just because they're there, you know. And as a representative, you know, in my mind, no matter how bad you cuss me out, I'm still going to be nice to you because I don't know what you're going through. I remember um, I was working at the cable company and this man got transferred to my phone because I did, you know, escalated issues that had been passed down that weren't resolved, you know. And so um, he called screaming and yelling and someone transferred him to my line. And I'm just like, well, what's the problem? And he was just screaming at me about his cable being off. And I kept saying to him, what's the problem? And so he finally told me, you know, well... I'm a roofer and I went up to fix a roof. I fell off the roof and I injured my back and I had lost blood. And my wife came because she's, she's a blood match and she was going to give me, um, uh, a blood transfusion. He's like, I was gonna get my blood transfusion for my wife. When they tested my wife, they found out that my wife had cancer, mm. you know? And he was like, um, we're laying in this bed together trying not to think about the fact that my wife is going to die. Mm -hmm. You know, he was like her, the, the, she said stage four and it's incurable. You know, we haven't even told our kids yet. And the only thing that's keeping us together right now is the TV. Can you please turn my TV back on? One bad day. You know, and so you never know what people are going through. So it doesn't matter how many B's people call you, how many A's you may end up being, you know, you have to treat people with kindness and respect because they could be going through so much worse than you. Right. But you, unfortunately, get to be the person they take it out on. But you have the opportunity to take control of it and turn a situation around for someone with an act of kindness or politeness. It only takes a second. Right. It takes a little humility and a second. Right. Frankie asked, was Frankie said the world has wasn't built the world, uh, the world wasn't built, so if you don't have the knowledge your mother has, there's a disconnect. Well, truth be told, everybody in my mom's generation, for the most part, has this knowledge. You know, I think it comes down to, me and my mom talk a lot. I talk a lot, and then she rebuttals <laughs> often. So I, I don't know. But, you know, like, my mom tells me stories. Like, I, And that's the thing, too, I ask. And I'm not, say, I'm not saying that this is us, right? I'm not saying that it's, it's you know, your fault or anybody's fault. But I, you know, I'm just saying this, to, I'm just asking to ask. Like, are we asking questions? You know, we know about the civil rights movement, Jim Crow, segregation, desegregation, Black Wall Street. We know all these things. But do we have the stories? Are we asking the questions? Is my generation, I'm asking you guys, just to ask, are we asking our parents, our grandparents, the old lady down the street, the old man that bags your groceries, like, yo, what was it like to be you? When was it like to be you? Like, are we getting that knowledge? Because honestly, 
growing up in my generation, I do know for a fact that if I didn't have my mom, my grandma, my great grandma, my grandpa, I wouldn't get these stories. You know, I don't go asking people about their lives. I mean, I don't, you know what I'm saying? And it's not for lack of caring. It just doesn't need to come up. You know, I live in a world, we live in a world where the circumstances, and we're, gonna, we're, about, we're about to get deeper into these circumstances in a second when we talk about blackface and cosplay. But um, we live in a world where we don't have to care. You know, Black Wall Street burned down in the 50s? 20s? 50s. Black Wall Street burned down a long time ago. Sweet Auburn was abandoned a long time ago. We don't have to care about that. Martin Luther King died a long time ago. That's not something we have to worry about. Tupac was shot when we were kids. We were playing on the playground. We found out Tupac was shot. We came home from school and it was like, yo, Tupac's dead. We was like, oh, damn, that sucks. But we didn't understand that. Biggie, we didn't understand none of that. You know, and that's the thing. We, we didn't have to care where people like my mom, her mom, had to. You know, my daughter won't have to care what I went through, because it'll already be resolved, pushed to the side, whatever. By the time she comes up, the world will be different. So, you know, as, as for us in my age group, we have to ask questions. We got to pick up books. And sometimes we got to put down the books and ask the real people, because the books, what, what do they say? History is only written by the victor. So you're only going to get one perspective on one story. You got to ask multiple people multiple stories. You know, I'm pretty sure old people will love the company. No, they will, they will tell you a lot. And you will learn so much. And, you know, it is true. Not everyone has um, people that they can go to and ask. And, you know, um, my grandmother was a very reserved person. She was actually, you know, born in 1908 and she died, you know, when she was like 95, you know, but we were both fortunate, you know, to, to know her right. and to talk to her. And talking to my grandmother, she felt like the past was in the past. But the more you talked to her and the more you heard, the more you wanted to know about what was life like because my grandmother was actually the second generation born free from slavery. Facts. You know, so her idea of what was going on in her time and how people did things and said things and, you know, where she could go and where she couldn't go. You know, I remember my grandmother told me this story. Um, growing up, she had this best friend and, um, no one ever spoke about it, but he was a really great seamstress. He was could do hair really well. Every once in a while, he had on a little makeup. But that was my grandmother's best friend always. And she told me that they were down in Alabama, and his family got really fed up about the way he looked and how embarrassed they were about it. And when he was still a teenager, they literally chased him out of town. And my grandmother said that she was sitting in her room and looking out the window and she saw somebody running towards her house and it was him. And she came out to meet him and she was talking about how, you know, I have to leave, you know, my, my family said they're going to kill me, but I got to get out of here and get past the white section before it gets dark. Because back then, if you were black and you were walking and you were in the dark, you got lynched. People would kidnap you and lynch you and they would just find you hanging from a tree. And so he told my grandmother, he said, you know, I'm going to write you. They've been friends since they were like four. <laughs> he said, I'm going to write you and you're going to come to come with me because he was supposed to be going to Chicago or New York. Can't remember. And we're going to have a, um, a beauty salon and we're going to make clothes. and We're going to do all these things. And my grandmother never heard from him again, ever. She don't think he made it. And so when me and my grandmother were having this conversation, because she never had a thought on homosexuality, I never heard her say anything bad about it. I never heard her say anything good about it. And when I asked her about it, she told me about her friend. And she said, that was the best friend I ever had in my life. 
I never cared about his sexuality. I never cared what people thought of him. I didn't care what he looked like. That was my real friend. And so we have to get to know people and accept people as they are. I mean, and, and, and not look at the difference between us and other people and look at that as an opportunity to say, well, I'm better than you. I can pick on you. Um, uh, I need to make you feel as bad as I feel in life because mm. we have a habit of being crabs in a barrel. We have a habit of not sharing information. We have a habit of not wanting other people to have more than we have. We have a tendency to be jealous and insecure. You know, but what that comes from is lack of support. And my friends always tell me, you shouldn't share this and you shouldn't tell this and you shouldn't say that, you know, about my own life. But I feel like everything you do in life, good or bad, is a testimony. Mm -hmm. Own up to it. Admit it. Okay? Because there's somebody out there in the world who needs to hear your story so that they know they're not alone. Imagine, going back to the Joker, imagine if the Joker had met a friend, male or female, who had been abused like he was, mm-hmm. who um, laughed because of an injury that he had suffered, whose father he found out cared nothing about him. You know, imagine if someone knew how he felt. Right. That would have made a huge difference in how his story turned out. Matter of fact, imagine if, oh, I can't remember her name. Crap. The actress that the the female the actress his female his female opposite the black woman imagine if she actually did care for him and that's why he went to her apartment mm-hmm. in the hopes that that was his last that was his last ditch effort was to walk into her apartment in the hopes that everything he imagined would be true and when she was scared and she wasn't scared of him so much as she was scared of the fact that some stranger had broken to her apartment with her right. child in there she's by herself uh, yeah, Zazzy Beats. I don't know why she left her door open. Uh, I, I don't know why she did that. But, but you know, she wasn't scared of him so much as the, the circumstance surrounding him being in her apartment. But she was still nice to him. She says, is there somebody? He's like, I had a bad day. She's like, is there somebody I can call? Are you okay? You know, because she was concerned. Like, why would he break into my apartment? We've been here the whole time. He's been chill. What mm-hmm. happened? You know, and he, I don't think he killed her. You know, there's speculation whether he did or not. I don't think he did because people with that kind of disability, they don't necessarily go after, you know, they're not going to, just like he let the, the, the dwarf go. He wasn't going to kill somebody that he thought fondly of. He was too emotionally attached to her in a positive way, obsessively even, because that's what some mentally disabled, mentally ill people do. They obsess. But he was too obsessed with her to kill her. It was almost Stockholm Syndrome. You know, but if imagine if she actually did care for him the way he imagined. And when he walked into her apartment and, you know, he sat on her couch and he was touching her stuff, he was drawing off of his fantasies and off of that melatonin release, because that's what happens, that dopamine melatonin release, because he wasn't medicated to calm him down so that he could hopefully talk to Zazie B's character. And when she finally spoke to him, she was scared of him, and he wasn't even mad because he knew he'd made it all up. But that was his last ditch effort, like, can somebody relate to me, you know? And that's the, you know, it goes back to what you were saying about treating other people how you want to be treated, the kindness of it all, you know? And so true, because had she gave him the warm reception he was looking for, the story would have had a, a different ending. Ending, a different and ending. I'm not faulting her, because, you know, we've all had somebody we needed to block. Yeah. Let's, let's keep it real. You know, but at the same time, you know, everybody needs someone. Someone asked the question, you think, you know, it's family related to abuse. A lot of things. Let's 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 be clear. And let me tell you what's gonna happen to you when you when you get to be my age, okay? So all these things in life that you think never bothered you, 
all of a sudden you wake up and you realize I'm traumatized. Mm-hmm. PTSD. I've been through a lot in life. This is heavy and it's affecting my relationships, my thoughts, my attitude, everything that you do in life, my self-esteem, you know, and I want to, I don't, you know, there are parental issues. Let's, let's be clear. You know, no one is a perfect parent. You know, sometimes we as parents do things we shouldn't have done. We say things we shouldn't have said, you know, we overlook the things that we shouldn't have overlooked. Nobody's perfect. Okay. But sometimes, and my older brother told me this, you know, when you get to be a certain age, you can't blame it on your parents anymore. You have to take control of your life and you have to take your life back. You Mm. have to, you know, you, you, you can be, you can walk away from people. Jesus said, who is my mother and who is my brother? And what he was saying was you have to be like-minded and and where, where I'm thinking and where I'm going, because I've had friends that I've known from like almost day one Everybody can't take your journey with you. Everybody shouldn't take your journey with you. You have to leave some people in the dust, not because you're trying to get financially ahead, but because people will emotionally bring you down and drag you down. Does this mean that, you know, you, you're disrespecting your parents? Does it mean that you don't love your parents? No, it means that guess what? Today I realize I love myself, you know, and, Jonathan will tell you, after years of abuse, I took my dad in. And he went through telling the psychiatrist, because in case you missed it, my dad is is a schizoassociative disorder with multiple personalities, which means he's schizophrenic with multiple personalities. And he was doing things in my house that was totally mean and disrespectful, only to get mad at me and try and punch my child in the face. You know, there comes a time where you have to say to people, I've done everything that I can do for you. Mm. There's nothing I can do for you. There's nothing I can give you. I'm going to pray for you every day and I'm going to wish you well, but this is where we separate and peace is real. Uh, Jonathan knows get to stepping is real in my house. The door (laughs) opens. I'm going to need you to open it and exit right through it because life is too short to carry the burdens that other people put on you. It's too, and you can't because sometimes it's hard enough to carry your own. And if you're a single mom or you're a single dad, you know, it's a lot. It's a lot. You don't need people who aren't going to elevate you and bring you up. And if that means getting rid of everybody in your life and starting over, trust me, you're better for it. I've done it. Facts. I've done it. My mom, the history behind my mom's nerdness is she actually is a nerd, but she don't, she, I mean, I don't know. She's, I don't know. I'm a nerd. People just don't think so. No, you clown, you clown me for like ever about being a nerd. So I don't, I don't know. Well, you are a nerd. One day, like one, like (laughs) I got teased. She teased me my whole life for being a nerd. Then one day she was like, I love Wonder Woman. I'm like, what, what? (laughs) When? How? What? Like, cause my mom, you know, I don't know, but my mom's always a closet. Backstory. This is the person who would run around with a towel tucked wow. into the back of his T-shirt. Um, as a punishment, when he was a little kid, I would take away his cape. And he would literally pull a towel out of his pants in the middle of a grocery store. Oh, yeah, you were special. Wow. He would pull <laughs> a towel out of his pants, tuck it in the back of his shirt, Bruh. and... <laughs> 
be going through the supermarket yelling, I'm Superman! I'm super... So, yeah, baby, you've been a nerd a long time, but I love you. You're so special. Um, Bar Fox said, hashtag cosplay your way. I'm just gonna... We gonna that's how we gonna play that. Cosplay your way. I cosplayed my way. Um, you, you've been at it a long time. Yeah, so, uh, whatever. Uh, just embarrass me on, in, in front of all my friends. Uh, well, you know that's gonna you, circulate. You dedicated. You dedicated is that to what, your that crowd. What, but that's you didn't have, you, you have to put me out there You've been like in it that. since birth. But I'm saying, though, like, you know that's gonna re- rotate. Like, I'm gonna get DMs now. Like you got the you got the towel in your pants? Like no. <laughs> no, I do not. I do I do not. See you put um, that out there. That no, you you did that. I didn't you did he that. He was cute. He was that you can't save that. He was under six. You can't save but that. But you was under six. It's too late it now. Baby they don't know me under the age of twenty nine. You you ruined that for, mm. for yeah. He was cute. I got pictures. No, you don't. You have Where's to, my phone? If you don't stop, look. Hey, all right. What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Jonathan D. Hassler, a.k.a. Johnny D. And you are tuned into another Blurry View session. I'm here with my mom and offspring in the back. And we are going to be talking about... Um, we already wrapped up the Joker review. We're going to be talking about the George. history of blackface, black cosplay evolution, and more. Go, grab, go DM your cosplay friends. Tell them that we are talking live about the history of their craft. So, um, earlier this morning... Me and you were talking about um, you. Me and you were talking about cosplay. Right. Um, the topic came up about whether white people could cosplay black characters. We'll get that into that in a second. Um, back when my mom was back, my mom was born in the seventies, so not too long ago, forty years ago or so. Um, so and yes, yeah, she's forty eight. She's forty eight. You put that out there. I did. I did that. Can you see how you did me? I, I got. She's forty eight, but you know, she looked good, so it don't have the same effect as me having a towel up my ass. But you know what I'm saying? She's forty eight. So with her being forty eight, you know, even in that short amount, even in that short amount of time, you know, she's got a lot of experience having grown up in the seventies and in the eighties. So um, talk to me. Talk to them about what you talk to me about when it comes to blackface and how just like oh. Start like start with so yeah blackface and what you told me about the laughing barrel. Oh um, yeah um, gosh I guess I'll start with the laughing barrel because I don't know really how the two connect. Um, but my step grandfather was telling me a story about growing up black back in the day, and as a black person you weren't allowed to laugh in public, so. If you laughed in public, you could be beaten, you could be jailed, you could even be lynched if a black if a white person accused you of laughing at them. It's really that serious. My grandfather, um, my step grandfather, I think he was eighty one back in nineteen eighty six. So I mean, but he looked great. He looked great. He had a great body. If you if you saw him from the neck down, you'd think he was like a, a, a great 45-year-old shape-looking man. He was incredible. Um, but, no, he was 78. I take that back. He was 78 in 86. But he was telling me that people would come up to you and tickle you on purpose, trying to get you to laugh so that you could publicly laugh. And that's where laughing barrels come from. If you've ever heard of a laughing barrel, because if you were black and you wanted to laugh in public, you literally had to stick your head in a barrel and laugh um, so that you weren't prosecuted literally for laughing out loud in public. So, I mean, that wasn't too long ago because this was my, you know, grandfather's reality when he was a teen and in his twenties. Mm-hmm. So imagine that 
You know what I mean? That wasn't too long ago. People think, you know, the ideas have changed, but you, you have to remember something. Society was so prejudiced. You couldn't be a black actor. You had to be a white person who put on a black face because they didn't want black people in their movies. You know, it's so funny to, um, um, I won't say that because that's a major company, but I won't say that. But <laughs> <laughs> but so many people didn't want to hire black people to do things in life. They only would hire and pay white people to do even the most demeaning jobs that were normally put aside for black people. And so when it comes to blackface, when I was a kid growing up in the 70s and 80s, Halloween is coming up. You know, we're about to go trick or treating, you know. You, you didn't have a lot of black choices for costumes. You really didn't. So you could be Aunt Jemima, which some people chose to be. You could be, um, you could be a slave. You could dress up in a suit and pretend to be Sidney Portier. I remember one year because there wasn't a whole lot of black choices going around. You know, you could be a, a you could be a Nefertiti. You know what I'm saying? There wasn't a lot of choices. I dressed up in this outfit that was similar to what I saw. Gladys Knight wearing and I put on my mom's fake rabbit fur because she had on a fur and my mom's fake rabbit was the clothes I was going to come and I went as Gladys Knight. Most white people didn't even know because I went to a predominantly white school who Gladys Knight was. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? We didn't have a lot of choices. There weren't black superheroes out when I was a kid. So as a black kid, we had to put on white costumes. If you wanted to be a superhero, you had to be Superman, Batman, Spider-Man. These weren't black men. These were white kids. You know, these were white people and you as a black person was looking up to them as a superhero. We didn't have super, there was no black lightning. There was no black Panther. You know what I mean? We didn't have those things, you know, and, and they're on TV now and you, your kids can turn on the TV and they can see these things, you know, and it, it makes a difference. Of, of who you pick your heroes to be. And I tell people, people don't realize, go ask your parents. It wasn't cool to be black until Michael Jackson came along. Mm. It was not cool to be black before Michael Jackson. And he didn't even stay black long. You know, Michael Jackson became the acceptable black. His music transcended everything. You say whatever you want to about Michael Jackson. Trust me and ask your parents. It was never cool to be black before then. Black Panther was out. Keep in mind, if you didn't live in a black neighborhood, you weren't going to get black comics. Let's be real. Same thing about Black Lightning. If you weren't in the hood, guess what you weren't going to get? You weren't going to get exposed to any of those things. It wasn't, it wasn't on TV. It wasn't in movies. You couldn't Google. There was no such thing as Google. There was no internet. Let's be clear. You couldn't go get it from the library if your neighborhood wasn't black. And sometimes you couldn't even get in the black neighborhood because people took it. Uh-huh. So, you know, um, Michael actually made being black not just cool in America. He made it cool worldwide. And white people started dressing up first as Michael Jackson. Uh-huh. I kid you not. Then they started coming out as Prince. Let's be, keep it real. Now you got white people putting on black costumes and black faces. And guess what I see it as? I see it as progress. Because once upon a time, we were invisible. You went to a, a party store. They didn't have black costumes. You weren't going to find that. Uh-huh. Unless you were an M&M. 
Unless you wanted to be a snicker. Deceased. <laughs> unless you wanted to Deceased. unless you wanted to be um an ice cream cone and with chocolate. Deceased. <laughs> you you weren't gonna get a black costume. She said Eminem. <laughs> right. I'm being I'm being real I know. serious. It's funny because it's true. You know, you you weren't gonna be it. And then there was I remember there was a debate. We were so thirsty, and I'm literally mean thirsty for black cartoon characters. I remember there was a long time there was an argument whether or not Heckle and Jekyll were black, because they was always clowning. <laughs> we so desperate for we were so desperate for figures. We reaching for Heckle and Jekyll, really. Right. That's just sad. Right, and very few people even remember that, honestly. And like in this chat, you know. And I, I I agree with my mom, not because, you know, that's my mom, but because it's progress, you know. No, 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 no. She's not saying blackface is progress. That's not what she's saying. She's saying that being able to see white people in black character costumes, like seeing white people cosplay as Black mm-hmm. Panther, Black Lightning, Static Shock, um, the Black Power Ranger, that's progress because we didn't exist until recently right our superheroes didn't exist mainstream until recently so for us to be able to see them cosplay us we are we are popular enough to be seen as something our characters are popular enough to be seen as worth cosplaying like the popularity of our characters has grown to a point where not just we want to be them not just we want to emulate them and that's what she's saying you know um now Blackface is still wrong. <laughs> yeah, well, no, blackface is never right. Let's yeah. let's get that straight. But you know, I think the point is, and and keep in mind, in my day, no white parent that I know, because I grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood, was gonna let their kids dress up as a black anything, Facts. because it they wouldn't have let them pay homage in that way. And if you were, you know, when I went to high school, we started out as only 30 people out of 2,000, and we ended up about 115 when I graduated. If you had showed up as a black person, we would assume you was making, unless you were showed up as Michael Jackson or Prince, we would assume you was trying to clown us, and you would have caught a beatdown. I remember one year, this boy dressed up as a slave. He caught a beatdown. He caught a massive beatdown. He didn't even make it home in them clothes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so... You know, and Malcolm X, you could do Malcolm X to put on a suit and do Malcolm X. You could put on a suit and do Martin Luther King. But again, there wasn't much for us. Mm-hmm. There wasn't much. And notice suit. That's the key word. Yeah, the own one. You know, Jesse Jackson, you know, suit. It was a key word. You know what I mean? Because there wasn't a lot of things that we could actually be. Mm-hmm. And so do you remember, so when it comes to like, you know, do you remember the rise of like um, black superheroes? I remember the first black superhero I remember seeing was the Black Power Ranger that I can like remember. Remember, so like, do you remember the first time you saw a black superhero? Oh Besides, wow! Well, it would probably be what Storm <laughs> from the X Men. No, you know, in my mind, Meteor Man. No, well, yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, Meteor Man, because you were Meteor Man. Yeah. That that was your first um, actual factual costume. Boom. Meteor Man. Run that. But, um... Hood hero number one. Yeah, but that was... I was grown by then. But to me, because, you know, growing up back in the day, female superhero, oh, that was that was Pam Greer. Mm-hmm. That was Pam Greer. Mm-hmm. She was the closest mm-hmm. we came. Uh, Christy Love. Y'all don't know nothing about that. I'm gonna need you to Google that. Ask your daddy about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's old school, but that was that was black female power. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what we looked at. Um, what's his name? Uh, Jim Kelly. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Th- those were, um, you know, people that, that we looked up to. You know, we didn't have, our superhero ideas were totally different. Our superhero ideas were people who were kicking butt in the hood. Right. So Shaft. Shaft, definitely. Shaft. Richard Roundtree, always. Right. You know, uh, but, you know, we Foxy Brown, Foxy yeah. Brown, you yeah. know, but it was it was a thin line because it was, they, they were in 70 clothes, pimping, had the pimping look in the 70s, you know what I mean? But in the 80s, it looked more like a pimp. So you had, it was a real delicate balance when you put on them costumes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, but yeah. Um, even, um, y'all don't know nothing about it, but Huggy Bear. Oh. Starsky and Hutch. Yeah. <laughs> that they spoofed in, um, yeah, in I'm Gonna Get You Sucker. Was yeah. I'm Gonna Get You Sucker where he was running in the, the glass hill with the uh, goldfish in him. <laughs> Black Caesar. There you go. Fred Williamson. You know what I'm saying? It. Those were our superheroes right. because it didn't, if you went Dolomite. to them. If you went to the movies on Saturday and Jonathan says, wow, that's crazy. You could get two movies and a magic show or two movies and a talent show for a dollar. That's the truth. And everybody and their mom would be in the seventies at the movies on a Saturday, you know, and you watched the black movies. You might've seen them seven to eight times because it wasn't a lot in rotation, Mm -hmm. but you didn't go to the movies unless you really were looking at a horror movie or it was a big blockbuster. Back then, we didn't look at white movies. Mm. They weren't us. Mm. They didn't understand us. They told jokes, and everybody would be looking at each other like, was that funny? What, <laughs> what was that? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, when it came to, like, when it came to, like, nerd, when it came to nerd and nerd culture and cinematography, like, when was the first time? Because I remember you said you liked Linda Carter's Wonder Woman. I did. But what kept you liking Linda Carter's Wonder Woman versus, you know what I mean? Because she was white. So, but was it because it was Wonder Woman? Linda Carter was, was female empowerment. Right. You know what I mean? And Linda Carter was beautiful. But unfortunately, unlike the roles that Pam Greer had, she wasn't sexualized in, in, in a certain way. I, I don't know if that makes sense. Pam Greer was a superhero, but a lot of her movies, she kind of she was a prostitute and involved drugs. It was black exploitation. Right. Um, Linda Carter was just a black, I mean a white female superhero, you know, and that was important. I think it back then it was her and it was the bionic woman. Mm-hmm. And you know, none of us are robots, so you know what I mean? Yeah. There's only so much the bionic woman could do for us. Right. You know, but you know, the the thing is, Whitney Houston made that song, you know, um, Everybody's Looking for a Hero. Mm-hmm. You know, and the thing is, we have to believe that, you know, our own real superhero lies in us. Not when we put on a costume, not when we look at somebody else. We have to draw our strength from ourselves. We have to make our own life corrections and, you know, understand, you know, that, we have all this power and all this knowledge. And, you know, me and you were sitting there talking about, we have not just people say, oh, there's a failure to, you're afraid to fail. Okay. But let's talk about when you're afraid to succeed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? When you don't want to put the work and the effort into it. And these are the things that hold us back from being, you know, our own superhero. You know, we can't really, having, doing cosplay and dressing up is nice and cool. 
You know what I mean? Mm. But at the end of the day, we have to be our own hero. We have to be the person that we look up to and respect. And we have to, and I tell this to people all the time, um, it doesn't matter if they're, you know, teens or, you know, from, you know, uh, when I was doing my, my, my Bible school classes for the kids and, and children's church or adults, because I had to tell an adult this last week, you know, you have to realize, you know, that you're your greatest enemy. Mm-hmm. You are your worst adversary. Because everything that we do, everything that we consume, everything that we think holds us back. We could talk about forever how uh, society is holding us back and how, you know, we need uh, someone to come and, you know, help us and save us and financially support us. We could do all those things ourselves if we stopped in our mind, you know, going back to, you know, my childhood sucked. Nobody loves me. You know, we don't let that hold you back. Let that be an opportunity to go forward and succeed. You know, don't, don't make any excuses. It doesn't matter what other people say. Don't look for other people to validate your point. Don't wait for other people to believe in you. Jonathan, I tell you, I've had so many businesses fail, but I've had businesses succeed. Mm -hmm. You know, I've had businesses go up and down. You know what I mean? And people have always told me, oh my gosh, you know, you, you're like this dreamer and you know, why do you always fail? I had five kids, you know, and people kept trying to um, ask me why I wasn't poor. Like, what was I supposed to be poor? Why am I supposed to live a crappy life? Because I have kids, Mm. you know, that's your mindset of life. That, that wasn't mine. You know what I mean? And, and thank God, you know, all five of my kids have either, um, got their degrees, graduated, working on their masters. You know what I mean? Cause I didn't want them to ever think that they had any limitations. And I, I tell Jonathan all the time, you know, don't make excuses. The whole world. Okay. Is going to tell you your excuses aren't good enough. If you have a problem, if you're not thinking about the solution, don't think about your problem at all. If, if, if you don't have a solution and you're not praying, you're wasting everybody's time, including your own, staying up at night trying to solve a problem that God already resolved. You just don't know the answer because you ain't prayed about it and asked for assistance. You know, we have to learn to support our own self and be strong for our own self and, and, and be a hero to ourselves. If white people want to put on black costumes, let them do it. Let them do it. It was so interesting because we were talking about um, mixes. Mixish, mixedish, mixed. Yeah. yeah, because until they actually said it on the show, it never dawned on me that the only people that people of mixed race could look up to were DeBarge. But it was true. It's fact. There was no one else there. You know, we're always looking for someone who looks like us for us to look up to and to be. Mm. Look up to yourself. Be that person. Be that light that everyone else says I want to be you. Because if that's not what you're doing in life. You're not doing nothing in life. And, you know, I I will say this, too. We need to do the same thing as a people, you know, as black people. You know, we we you know, it's I I I say this all the time on my show, man. But it's not about like, you know, we've come so far. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Frankie said in the beginning of this live, like you said, that it's okay for white people to cosplay black characters. Of course, because that's that's progress. We became so important that they can't help but be us. And as annoying as it is, as appropriating as it can be, 
they want to be like us because not my mom is 48. 40, I need y'all to get a good look at her because uh, I'm. I, 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 hopefully, I look that good. But, you know, mom's 48, you know. So she's talking about 30 years ago, you know, 35 years ago, 40 years ago. This is like we just got cool just now. <laughs> you know what I mean, but we got we but we we've taken leaps and bounds so fast over a short amount of time. So, yeah, they can a white person can be Black Panther as long as it doesn't be disrespectful. As black people, how do you think we can find the balance where we know our history and all the hurt and move forward and keep progressing without blaming young generations for cruelties of past generations? My mom is not 35, fam. Uh, I mean... such a hater. (laughs) But to answer your question, you know, it's like you have to educate yourself. Your book, when you went to school, your history book didn't tell you everything. You need to go out and get some books you need to read and you need to talk to people and you need to join some groups and you need to educate yourself because change is a never-ending process. And if you're not continually trying to learn and grow and educate yourself, you might as well end your life right now. And I don't mean commit suicide. I mean, there's nothing else for you to do. Mm-hmm. There's nothing else for you to do, and we're not saying but blackface is disrespectful. We're not talking about putting on a black face. We're not saying that. We're talking about just putting on a costume, just the costume. Putting on the costume is is perfectly fine. The lesson on the black face was talking about how prior to white people dressing up in black uh, costume outfits that they didn't even want black people in movies. So they painted their face black to do so. So so that's what we were talking about. But go, getting back to the other question, you know, you have to educate yourself. You have to educate your children, your nieces, your nephews. You have to tell people stories. The only way you're going to remember what you hear is when you repeat it. Mm-hmm. If you don't repeat what you learn, you're going to forget it. So you got to get out and tell people. You have to share and you have to tell your stories. And... It's called when you when you hold on to your past and you let your past dictate your future. It's an it's it's an iniquity. Excuse me, I'm about to go back to church. <laughs> the iniquity is a sin, okay? And the reason why iniquity is a sin is anything that interferes, okay, with the path that the Holy Spirit has you on, God has you on a path, okay? But God does not force love. So, he does not force you to obey either. So you're either doing what you're supposed to be doing as far spiritually or you're not. If you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing spiritually, then you're going on down your own road. And when you go down your own road, you have feelings of resentment. You have feelings of hate. You have prejudice. Black people can be prejudiced. You have <laughs> ignorance. You have jealousy. You, you gossip. You know what I mean? You do all kinds of things that you shouldn't be doing in life. And if you don't have the tools to let that go or even the willpower to let it go, because a lot of times, and I've been there and done it a thousand times, I spend so much time in my head thinking about stuff that I can't fix. And that's what we all do. We want to go relive a moment and give it a new ending. We want to go relive a moment and say something we didn't say. For what? The moment's gone. It's past. It's over with. And even if you get the chance to say it to someone, they're going to be looking at you like you're stupid because guess what? They don't even care anymore. Mm. 
You're wasting energy and thought that you could be putting towards your goals, your dreams, your relationships. You're letting all these things in your past stop you from having a wonderful future because you've psyched yourself into believing that you're not good enough, that you've been hurt so bad you can't go forward. And that could be on your job. That could be in your career. That could be in your education. You know, you have to take all those things and release them. Let them go. If you, you know, people, I see people doing on TV, put it all on a piece of paper and burn the paper. If, if that makes you feel good and you can let it go doing that, then let it go. If you got to call people, because we were just talking about that. Mm-hmm. T- tell them about that. What? Uh, uh, what's what's the holiday called? Um, oh, so being Jewish, we do Yom Kippur. And um, Yom Kippur is this holiday of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And you're supposed to go around to everybody that you feel like you've done wrong or everybody who said that you've wronged them. And you're supposed to apologize three times. And if they don't forgive you after the third time, that's on them. But idealistically, you're supposed to ask them three times for forgiveness. Um, and, you know, it's a whole holiday for it because the holiday preceding that is... Preceding is before, right? I said that mm-hmm. right. Yeah. The holiday preceding that is um, Rosh Hashanah, which is the Jewish New Year. So Yom Kippur is so that you don't go into the New Year with bad um, with bad karma. Um, and so, you know, uh, totally miss Yom Kippur. But the only people I need to apologize to are exes. But uh, whatever. <laughs> whatever. But, no, um, you know, you guys have to... I agree with my mom, you know. And, and truth be told, I'm like this. And maybe I'm a little more radical than my mom. Or maybe me and my mom just caught each other at different age points. But I'm not saying... This is the thing. Forgive, but don't forget. You know what I mean? Like, Definitely. Don't forget. Like, yes, we can't... We come from... We come from a very... She's in here. <laughs> the person I interviewed, the actor, the actor I interviewed, Ob is in the building. <laughs> she, <laughs> it's an inside joke, <laughs> but Ob is a but. But no, when it comes to um, when it comes to blackface, right? Yes, blackface in cosplay, blackface in media, wrong, extremely wrong. Don't forget it. Don't forget that they're gonna do it. Don't forget that they're not gonna care about our feelings when they do it, right? But we're better than that. We're beyond that. You know, yes, bring attention. Hey, uh, they just they 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 cutting up over here again. But we're better than that. You know, a lot of the time when they blackface, they only do it to piss us off. They only do it to bring us back. And I'm not saying let it go. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not saying just all oh, white people doing white people shit. You know, but, you know. But this person wanted to know, does letting go validate all those past experiences? Invalidate. Why do you need validation? You're entitled to feel how you feel and how you think. And it's so anyone else is entitled to how they feel and what they think, their opinions, their own ideas, their own morals. People don't need to agree with you. The only thing you need to do is make sure that you stand strong on how you feel. As long as you know who you are and where you stand on the issue, what other people think doesn't matter. Because if you've got a beef with someone and you need to apologize, your relationship is already cracked. And let's be perfectly clear. You're not apologizing to someone so that you can make them feel better. You're apologizing to make yourself feel better better so that you can go forward. I give you a perfect example. I apologize for the things I may have said to you that offended you. I shouldn't have called you that. I shouldn't have said that. By no means does that mean I think you're right. It doesn't mean that. It just means, no, I'm being real serious. No, you know. It just means that uh-huh. I didn't want to offend you. I stepped out of myself and I shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. And because I did and I know I'm better than that, 
I'm going to apologize to you for it. And I'm going to let it go. And we may never speak again. I had a friend, um, I almost said his name and he was just my friend and I hired him to put some flooring in my house. And I found out that he used to be a recovering drug addict. Mm -hmm. He had been clean eight years, but while he was doing my floors, he slipped up and went back to using drugs. So he stole my money. He stole my tools. He pawned my, um, chainsaw, mm. you know, and never finished my floors. So I was worried about him because he's a drug addict and because I figured that's what happened to him. Thank you very much. I appreciate you saying that. So when he finally called me to apologize, I was willing to accept his apology. I was glad he was okay. And that's the first thing I told him. I've been worried about you. I'm glad you're okay. And when he admitted to me that, you know, he took my money cause he was doing drugs and he wanted to come finish it. No, you can't come finish it. You know what I'm saying? You can't come in my house anymore. But we can be friends. Mm. Call me if you need me. Mm. And we'll see where it goes from there. Well, I never heard from him again. So apparently he was probably coming to take the rest of my tools. Yeah. But, you know, the point is I'm not mad at him. You know what I mean? I'm not mad at him. And this is the thing. When, when it comes to blackface and dealing with black and when dealing with non-black and brown people, right? We know what we've been through. Okay. We are, what do you say? Six generations from slavery? Five or six? One, two, three, four. Yeah, you're six. I'm so five. we're about six generations from slavery, right? Seven. Six, seven generations out of slavery. We are two generations out of... We're three generations out of Jim Crow. Three generations out of segregation. Two generations out of desegregation. No, one. I'm one generation out of desegregation. Because um, I was the first generation that was segregated. Desegregated. Desegregated, right. excuse me. And, yeah, so we're one generation out of desegregation. We know what we've been through as people. I'm not, like I said, I'm not saying let it. I'm not saying forget it. Because, I mean, you're not going to be able to forget the L's we took. We're still, California just passed a law a couple of days ago making it illegal to discriminate against hair texture for jobs. You know? So, of course, like, don't forget not at all. But it's like my mom did with her friend. I mean, you know, not, you know, when it comes to holding, you know, when it comes to those who blackface, we, you know, sometimes you got to block people. Like my mom said, sometimes you got to delete people. Black people. But it shouldn't, know. but it shouldn't bring us down as a race. It shouldn't bring us down as a race. Because or we, as a person. Or as a person. Because we've grown past that. You know, when it comes to, you know, I remember, I know Fantastic Frankie, uh, says all the time, and I know a lot of other black women and women in general have this problem in the nerd community with fanboys and gatekeeping. You know, um, oh, you don't know, you're a woman. Oh, you don't know, you, you know, black women don't do anime and comic books. I hear that from Fantastic Frankie, Black Girls Anime, Trackhead Bree, um, uh, Get Animated. Uh, I hear that from a lot of a lot of women, particularly black women. But black women, you guys have come so far so fast you know don't forget men ain't shit but don't let it affect you either i think we also have to remember that when we're pointing out disrespect we have to really self-examine ourselves to see if we're disrespecting one another i mean i know you know i was explaining to one of my kids um it became really cool to call each other the b word after janet jackson said her friends call her that Mm -hmm. all her close friends call her the B word. 
Okay, well, it's never cool to call me a bee. Let's get that straight, okay? Don't ever do that to me. That's disrespectful. And we shouldn't be saying that to each other. There should be no N-words. I went to school. We're talking about first generation out of um, from deseg desegregation. So I went to a predominantly white school. Me and my three brothers were seven blacks in the entire elementary school. I got chased home, spit at, thrown um, rocks at, you know, every day. You know what I mean? People tried to put my head in the toilet. That's I, I came out the ghetto and, and only had one fight. You know yeah, what I'm saying? I went into a white neighborhood. Yes, I went into a white neighborhood and I was fighting once a day, every day. You know what I mean? Because people didn't want to be around black people. I had a, a classroom full of people. My desk was sitting off to the side. I had a whole section of the classroom by myself because no one wanted to sit next to the black kid. I had a whole table in the cafeteria by myself because no one wanted to sit next to a black kid. And what my dad did, my dad said, we live in a, black, we live in a white neighborhood to piss white people off. Somebody has to be the person to come in and make this acceptable for every other black person. And that gets to be you. It didn't feel like a privilege when I'm getting hit in my head. It didn't feel like a privilege when I was getting kicked. Trust me. Not okay. You know what I'm saying? But I get that. I get it. Because now I'm looking at, you know, I go to work and I look at these uh, people who are my age at work who are comfortable being around black people because somebody, somebody somewhere had to break that segregation rule and come over and so that they could see that black people are okay. And so me, for me, being in that situation, it taught me how to fight multiple people at one time. Uh, that, that was the one, number one, okay? Batman. Number two, yeah, you know, my, my fight Batman. skills on point. Number two, you know, the other thing that it taught me was that I liked myself. And no one was going to take that from me. And I would be in class, like Jonathan, because if y'all know Jonathan like I know Jonathan, telling myself jokes and cracking up. I'll be cracking my own self, but don't, don't act like you don't know. Why don't you, act like these you are my know. friends. Well, Why are you doing this well, to me? Because you do that. First the towel in the ass. And now, <laughs> can we not with the story? But I'm telling on myself, too. No, so you're not. That's, I just that was said you. I was making I'd make jokes and laugh at me. You know but I you said, like, Jonathan, you yeah, could have dropped my name okay. out of that. I'm sorry, baby. No, you're no. not. No, go ahead. I'll, I'll be story. careful. No, nah, that's good. It's, it's all for ratings. Go ahead. No. But, you know, I, I learned that I like myself and I would tell jokes and everyone wanted to know what was funny. So they, they'd ask me. And that's how people started to realize that, okay, she's not so bad. Mm. You know what I mean? I finally, by the time probably April rolled around, I didn't have to sit by myself in the cafeteria anymore. You know what I mean? But it was, it was a progress and it was a lot to put on a little kid. Mm. It's a lot, you know? But... We've come so far, so quickly. Like I said, before Michael Jackson, this right here was not cool. Mm. It was not cool. And it's amazing to me. People always tease me about my big lips. Oh, this, this, this is money right here. You know what I'm saying? You, you got to pay for this. You know, big lips are sexy. You know what I'm saying? You got to pay for that. Once upon a time, having a big butt, oh, that was not attractive. Yeah, and people forget that. People forget that not 20, 30 years ago, having a big butt was not okay. Kim Kardashian made it sexy. It wasn't sexy before Kim Kardashian. Fact. So I'm not even mad at Kim Kardashian. Well, I am because it was sexy to me before Kim Kardashian. Well, it was always sexy to black men. Yeah, of course. But, <laughs> you know, to the rest of the world, it wasn't attractive. I remember I went to, um, let me put that out there. I went to Chino High and, um, 
I thought it was really neat that my um, classmates thought I should be Miss Chino, even though I'm from Ontario. I went to Chino High. And so um, I didn't want to do it. My thighs were big. I was like, you know, they're not going to let me be Miss Chino. So I went up there and the woman says to me, oh, you know, we have sponsors for you and we really think you can win this. But do you think you could bleach your skin? Bruh. Yeah, she got cussed out. Because <laughs> that was offensive. Mm -hmm. But we've come far. So when um, Kenya Moore won Miss USA, oh my gosh, you would have thought I won. Mm -hmm. You would have thought I won. Not because I wanted to be Miss America, but because she looked like me. Right. She wasn't light-skinned. Right. You know, I was happy for Vanessa Williams, but she was still light-skinned. You know what I'm saying? I was more happy when I saw Kenya Moore get it. That's why no matter what she do, that's my girl. <laughs> you know, I, I was, I was thrilled for her, you know, cause we, I can't even explain it. Growing up in a world where being black wasn't cool and it wasn't acceptable to see how we are right now is amazing. Mm. It's amazing. And, you know, for my grandmother who couldn't even imagine, my grandmother couldn't even imagine living in my world. She thought this this world that I thought was so prejudiced was so much more wonderful than her world. And imagine how your grandchildren are going to feel. You're going to feel when you get to your grandchildren's stage and you see how the world is. I mean, keep in mind, it wasn't until, what, the 70s? People could actually interracially marry. It was yeah, the late it was, 60s, early yeah, 70s. Yeah, you know, it so it's illegal. All this is new. All this is new. Mm -hmm. You know? But yeah, when it comes to when it comes to blackface and dealing with that, you know, like I, I I agree, we're above that. You know, it sucks. And we hate it and it's offensive, you know, but we've come such a long way. And I'm not trying to Booker T Washington the whole thing, you know, not at all. But I feel like at this point, you know, especially, you know, I decided that blackface was a non-factor the other day. When France banned a white cosplayer for blackfacing, France did that. So that's when I said, you know what, we're okay. We're okay now because now they're policing their own. And we've gotten to a point where they're actually policing their own. So I don't even have to care anymore. Like, I care, don't get me wrong, but like, I don't have to be like, oh, what the, you know, what are, you know, white people doing white people? You know, they, they got it now. They're looking out for us now. And so we're good. We've, we've been asking for the longest time, oh, why can't white people police themselves? Why can't white people handle this for us? That they should know better by now. Why are we always black Twittering this and, 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 and jumping on everybody, jumping in and block, block, delete, ban, cancel culture, all this other stuff. You know, France is now doing it. France said, I got y'all. This cosplayer, and the, the person they banned, they're not just some like, low-level cosplayer this is a famous cosplayer that they had to ban a famous cosplayer that they had to ban so it's not like you know somebody that we've never heard of or would never hear of ever no this is somebody that you could go onto a page a cosplay page and you see their face they're banned you know it's like their zero suit sammy or their cutie pie sensei got banned for blackface you know, and that's that 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 means a lot. That means that we've in in I remember when the blur view first started, one of our first stories was blackface. That was a year ago. So within a year of me doing this, I'm seeing progress. 
So at this point, we can kind of just over like uh like you know like just step over that like uh it looks like dogs dogs we just step right over that. She still has it up, by the way. Yes. <clears throat> She does. And unfortunately, there are people who are going to support her. There are people who are going to support her and what she's doing, and they're going to feel like she has done nothing wrong. Um, but it's, it's, what it comes down to is we have to, it's like my mom said, right, about her friend, right? We ain't got to let them in the door. We ain't got to let them in our house. We don't have to let them in our house. I'm not going to let this white cosplayer and their wrongdoing define how I go about my cosplay career or how I go about my podcasting career. I'm not going to let the group that support her stop me from doing my activism and my representation and my collaborations. No, I ain't got to let her in my house, though. I don't have to let them in my house. You know, we're we're past that. We're past fucking with them. I think everybody should call out injustice no matter what form it takes, no matter what race it's in. If you're sitting there and you're not saying anything, then you're a participant. Oh, and don't say I'm not saying don't speak out. Please don't think I'm saying don't speak out. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying let's not let it define us. Am I making sense? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Just don't let it define, you know, and I think, and I'm always, you know, because I've been accused of being a, a, a hippie, a black hippie. And I can't wait to, you know, not do my job anymore so I can go back to protesting. But, you know, the thing is, oh, yeah, because I love a protest. I know. But the thing is, I know. <laughs> you know, you you have to stand up for something. You know, they say if you don't stand for something, then, you know, you, if you don't stand up for something, you're going to fall for everything. And it's true. If you don't have a belief system in place and, and you don't have your morals, you know, in place, you can't be looking to get that from other people. You can't be looking to um, society or politics to fix that. And you, you got to understand, prejudice exists in the world. Hate exists in the world. You know, it's it's directed towards all people of all races, of all social backgrounds. You know, you can't let that hold you down or stop you or, you know, keep you from speaking out. If you haven't, all you people on here... If you haven't ever wrote your senator or your congressman, I don't know what's wrong with you. Write your senator and congressman. They will write you back. They will solve your problems. They are here to do that. They literally have to contact you back or have whatever your grievances, company, state, uh, federal, office, whatever that is, they have to contact you back and answer your issue or question. And generally, they will have it answered in your favor. So if you're not using your resources... You shouldn't be complaining about what's going on in life because what are you doing to fix it? Right. Gary said, are you happy that you don't have to be the one to call out, educate police, etc.? That is just it's just being understood as unacceptable. Oh, that's what you were talking about? Yeah. No, and Gary, you know me, man. I'm going to call out. I'm going to post the news because that's what I do. I'm going to report the news. That's what I do. I'm going to talk about the news. That's what I do. And, and that's what I said. Like, I hope you, I, I don't know. I feel like maybe I went on a tangent. I don't know. But I, I'm not saying don't call them out. I'm just, I'm not saying don't call them out. I'm not saying don't speak out against the injustice. I'm saying don't let it define us. That, or don't let it define how you go about doing what you do. That's what I was trying to say. I feel like I said that, but maybe I didn't. Don't let it interfere with your life, your mood, your dreams, your accomplishments. Sometimes when people say things to try and disturb your world, that's only possible if you let it. 
Mm. You know what I mean? I've been called a lot of things in life. I've been overlooked for things that I deserved. It'll stop your world if you let it. If you don't let it and you choose to go forward and have a good day, regardless of what people say about you, regardless of what people think about you, you know, then it's not going to have any effect on you again. You shouldn't be looking for people to validate you. Validate yourself. Know this is who I am and don't let other people take it from you. And it's not an issue. All right. What do you feel is the line of tastefulness in regards to mimicking another race? And Tropic Th- Robert Downey Jr. and Tropic Thunder was accepted, but other types were not. You know, I read an article on Robert Downey Jr., and it was because, you know, they actually did a lot of research into blackface. They actually talked to black people and with Robert Downey Jr.'s role in Tropic Thunder. And they were saying that he was parodying, he was parodying blackface and making fun of it. That was the point. But they, I read articles, and this is articles, um, but I'll let my, did you see Tropic Thunder? I did. I found it offensive. Okay. Yeah, because they were saying that he did it in a, in a they, the articles I read were saying he did it in a tasteful way that allowed him to get away with it because it wasn't offensive. Of course, I don't know who the hell wrote these articles. <laughs> um, it was, it was uncomfortable, but that was the first time I'd ever seen Blackface was Tropic Thunder. You know, so I, you know what I mean? And that came out, when did Tropic Thunder come out? 08, 06? It's been a while. Yeah, that was the first time I seen Blackface. To me, it was uncomfortable. It was like, on the one hand, I understood that it was a comedy. But on the other hand, like, it was just uncomfortable. But like I said, I'd never seen. But you grew up with Blackface on television, right? Well, I mean, yeah, I was in a lot of black and whites. I thought Robert Downey Jr., acting-wise, did a great job. Act- Let yeah. me say that. He did a great acting job. But... I don't think it's appropriate. I don't I don't want to see a white person play an Asian person. Let's get that straight. You know what I'm <laughs> Scarlett saying? Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to see people. Scarlett there are Johansson. too many actors and actresses of the right race. Let them do it. I don't want to see a black person do a white role. Right. You know what I'm saying? Let them do what they do best in their own realm. You could mm. tell the same story. It could still be just as funny. Right. You know? Um, but let people of other races have their freedom. I don't want to see the same, you know, back in the day, um, I was telling somebody like your dad was the only dark skinned person you ever saw on on TV and in print. Mm -hmm. It was it. That was just him. You know, as far as, you know, a young black person, there was nobody else, which made him, even though he wasn't, you know, rich and famous, it made him famous because other black people went, I know you. You know what I mean? Because there wasn't a lot of us. Let us play us. Right. You right. know? I just, and you know, uh, Ashley said you never seen a minstrel show. No, I had never seen that. Um, I'd never seen a minstrel show. Watching Robert Downey Jr. play, like my mom said, the acting was good, but it was uncomfortable because I'm like, why is he black? But he's not black. And he's talking like us, but we don't talk like that. You know, because when I saw, is the thing, I'm going to be honest with you, right? I've only seen Tropic Thunder once. There's two movies like Tropic Thunder is on the list of movies I will not see twice. Tropic Thunder's one and Django offended the hell out of me. Oh, Django was oh, excellent. Django I, it was, was excellent. It was good, but I was just I just I was just offended. I, I can't watch Django twice. I don't know why. I just can't I can't see Django twice. I just it was good, but I just I don't know. It was something about I don't know. No. <laughs> it was something about that movie. I just couldn't. But I'd never, like, me being, um, whenever Tropic Thunder came out, right, I'd never seen Blackface. I'd heard of it. 
I'd seen examples in a textbook somewhere, maybe, but I'd never seen blackface like that. So when I saw Tropic Thunder, I was a little ignorant despite my age, but I I was ignorant in the sense that I'd never seen nothing like that. So I was like, why is he, you know, to me it was, and then um, Michael, no, Brandon T. Jackson, his character the whole time was like, what do you mean? Uh, like, he's like, what do you mean you people? And why are you acting like us? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I felt that. I was like, I don't, like, the acting was great, but it was like, that was the confliction. Because it's like, in on the one hand, it was a movie. On the other hand, it's like, why why you gotta go that far? Like, why does it have to go? And they said that, like, oh, he's an, he's a white actor, and he went out for this black role, and he decided to, to because um, the story was he, he changed his skin on purpose to be black. So for the story, it wasn't blackface. It was like he actually had darkened his skin chemically to play a black person because he was that extreme of an actor so for the story purposes i understood what they were trying to do but it was like he's still white and he still has to take that makeup off and he's not black and you know what i mean it was it just didn't you know what i mean like that was the confliction from a cinematography from a center photography point of view i get it but as a black person i was like "Mm, no and like i don't know django even I don't know. I just didn't. Django just didn't. Django sing. was an excellent. It didn't. Movie. It was. It was good, but I just couldn't. I. I don't know. Maybe it was Leonardo DiCaprio saying the N word so many times that didn't sit well with me. I was like, mm, I don't like that. But him, Leonardo DiCaprio, and Samuel Jackson played their characters Samuel too well. Was dirty. <laughs> he played. They he played their so characters dirty. too well. I was like, oh, I'm upset. <laughs> like, he was so dirty. If it wasn't for the fact that I knew it was Sam, I'd be like, mm, oh no, <laughs> like that really uh, rubbed me the wrong way. But yeah, no, I, I couldn't stomach. I couldn't stomach those two characters, and so I was like, mm, no. So Django and Tropic Thunder, I've only seen once. <clears throat> I've only seen once. Um, but and I, I just can't bring myself to watch Django again. I studied it in theater thoroughly. Yeah, I've never. I didn't know blackface. I didn't really blackface. The first time I saw blackface was Tropic Thunder. The next time I saw blackface was I was in the cosp- I was in the Blur View. It was it was on it was a year ago. I was like, "What the hell is this?" And I was like, "Oh, I don't like." I'd seen, but the thing is with blackface, I'd seen caricature in like Looney Tunes or Popeye, and I was like, "That's not okay." Or in Dragon Ball, where they have Mr. Popo and he's like super black with giant lips and you know the Asian interpretation of a black person, the Japanese interpretation, excuse me, of a black person. I was like, "That's not okay." Well, see, you the you can't, you know, and I've learned because growing up we still had a lot of black and white movies mm-hmm. on TV. So there were, you know, those minstrel type movies and there was the blackface in the movies, you know, and I learned to turn away from a movie when I saw that, no matter how good it was, because it's not something I wanted to support, mm-hmm. you know, and we have to be, you know, real on top of that, especially, you know, when it comes to cartoons and, and music, you know, um, we have to not... Um, exploit, uh, participate in black exploitation. There's a lot of rappers out there mm. that I would like to see um, out of business. You know what I mean? We have to we have to be careful about the image we portray because we have a whole generation of people coming up who know more about sex than they do about their own history or life. Facts. You know what I mean? So there's, there's just so many more things out there that, you know, I think we need to be um, worrying about. Do you think that blackfacing and cosplay is perpetuated because there are so many other people of our generation and younger who are also not exposed to it? They had to have found it some way. There's no way they would have just thought to paint themselves black 
without having to know. Mm-hmm. Without having to know, they knew. It's somebody been in the told news them. a lot. Yeah, somebody told them something. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, it. You know, if a white person had painted themselves black and told me they were a thug on a Halloween, I would have been offended as hell. Um, and I wouldn't need to know the history of blackface to know that you're just wrong. You know, you're just being an asshole. Um, but no, these white people are getting it from somewhere. They have to be getting it from somebody telling them something. Like they didn't just, I mean, maybe some of them did wake up and was like, I'm just going to paint myself black and maybe, but some of them, I feel like a lot of them know, they know something from somewhere and they just thought it was a good idea. Maybe a cartoon, you know, Looney Tunes got to the point where they right now, when you ever, you see a Looney Tunes cartoon, look, pay attention to the intro. They will put a disclaimer talking about how they used to be like some of their cartoons might depict racism, but they say like, what do they say? Something like to air, to not air the episodes would be to deny the existence of who we were or something like that. And then they cut to the episode because even Warner Brothers knows that yeah we 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 effed up that was well, us I appreciate what this person said because it just crossed my mind what about when black comics mimic other races do you feel it should be that way across the board to prevent a, pre- offending others in the same way you know here is a, a, a totally different issue of disrespect because there was a there was a thing that was put out many many years ago I want to say probably about 15 years ago that actually said about of people who actually think they're white are black because black people who could cross over did and never bothered to tell people, you know, and, and this may sound really raunchy, but there are a lot of white people out there with brown and black genitalia and they are black and they don't know it. Like color wise? Yes. Like like genetically black? Yes. Oh yeah. Didn't Oprah do a thing where like, yeah, Oprah did something on it too. Yeah. And so there are a lot of people out there who don't know that they're actually black people. They don't know it. You know, and is 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 putting on a white face offensive. I've been offended by people that I knew were black that were passing for white. You know what I mean? That's <laughs> offensive to me. You know what I mean? <laughs> Drake. Oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, I, I get which I feel you on that. You Drake. 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 Drake doesn't pass him for white. What? Aubrey, Aubrey Graham? Not recently, but oh, when he first came out, you think he got on the grassy? Drake. Yeah, Drake. He said he was white? Me, look, it's been a running issue about Drake for years because Drake was was upper middle class. Drake does Drake raps about coming from poverty. Drake ain't never been broke. Drake rapped about coming from poverty because it attracted our attention. Then he became nigga this, nigga that. Like, three, four albums ago, somebody back me up here, three, four albums ago, he became black. Like, he, he just fully embraced him being black. But before, Drake was Jewish. That's what he would tell people. I'm Jewish. He had a white mom. His dad wasn't in the picture. Drake was Jewish until he needed to rap. Then Drake became black. Well, I mean... J- being Jewish isn't necessarily classifying your race. Well, that's what I'm saying. It doesn't necessarily classify your race. Drake wouldn't claim. Drake would be Jewish and be a whole lot of things. Drake didn't start claiming us for real, for real. Like Geek and Lou said it, Degrassi, yeah, he was white. Drake didn't start claiming us until um, three albums ago. When he was with Young Money, when Lil Wayne, when he was signed with Young Money, they were doing good, and then they picked up Nicki Minaj and all those other people, and Drake like took off. Mm-hmm. Drake ain't been black. Drake Drake ain't been uh, white since. But before that, Drake was white. Drake would Drake would not Drake was not in our circle. You know, Drake started rapping about the black issues recently, 
outside. He didn't care before that. Drake wasn't on our time before that. And it was a whole to do because of that. Because people, black people were like, where you come from? Who is you? Why are you using the N-word? He was like, I'm one of you guys. My dad's black. Is he? <laughs> <laughs> is he really? Prove it. Like, like for real. Because, like, I love Drake because he was rapping about, like, oh, started from the bottom, now I'm here. and all mm-hmm. But it was like, where were you pre-Degrassi when you were playing? Have, have you seen Degrassi? Um, I've glimpsed at it. But yeah. the truth of the matter is, nobody is going to want to He's hear... Uh, I started off as a middle class rapper. Right. I think I agree. I think the only person we had this conversation, the only person who ever got away with mainstream was Will Smith. Right. And he's still holding it down. All right, guys. So we got twenty seconds left until this is over. It's been fun. It's been dope. But we got to get out of here. So I hope you guys enjoyed the lives. Tune into both of them. By Monday, we'll have three episodes posted for you guys. It's going to be lit. But this is your boy, Jonathan D'Angelo, a.k.a. Johnny D, Queen Mother. And we are out of here. Y'all have a good night.